we experience some conversion issues from our file from our recording so if any sounds sound off we apologize ahead of time enjoy the episode no one's gonna tell me who i can podcast with now i want this chick she wants me so fuck it we're going back and podcasting valley girl coming up next Haven't seen it with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevening. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time. And today that is myself. I had never seen Valley Girls. I hadn't heard of Valley Girls until Tommy's like, do you want to do Valley Girls? The 40th anniversary is coming up. And I'm like, what's Valley Girls? And then he told me what it was about. And I was like, okay, that sounds interesting. And I was like, what other ideas do you have, Tommy? And he just sent me all these horror movies. And I'm like, Valley Girls sounds good. We're going to do Valley Girls. <laughs> Val- you Valley want Girl. to do the Evil Dead remake? Like, get Oh, dude. dude no, 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 no. Evil Dead movie, uh, remake is actually a solid movie. I will recommend that. We should definitely cover that. New Evil Dead movies coming out this month, so it's relevant. Uh, so we're covering Valley Girl, not Valley Girls. Um, it's singular, Timmy. Uh, so, uh, but you know, Nick Cage is coming up with a new movie this week called Renfield, where he plays Dracula. And uh, this movie celebrates its 40th anniversary, and this is the first starring role Nick Cage ever had. So, want to get into it? Can't wait. <laughs> you can't see my face because we still don't have video capabilities yet. But I'm just looking at Tommy when he <laughs> at, at the comment of the the Evil Dead remake is solid, dude. And there's another one coming out, and it's like, yeah, that's that's great, dude. I, I have relatively no interest in watching the Evil Dead remake. Um, it leave has it alone. Leave, it, leave it alone. Leave has it alone. Sixty-three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I think that's solid. Oh enough. wow! Oh, Rotten Tomatoes. Oh my god! <laughs> this has been so. A, Tommy, the whole point of this podcast is to be like, "Fuck Rotten Tomatoes." Let's let's think about what we what we like. Yeah. So one thing I do like is Evil Dead remakes. But anyways, we'll, 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 uh, we're here about to talk about Valley Girl, not about Evil Dead remake. Uh, I love this movie, and I can't wait to get into it. So <laughs> yeah. The, before we dive into it, I will say this was like watching it and hearing the score. I was just like, this is such a Tommy movie. Why am I letting him pick what podcast we're listening to? <laughs> like, oh my God. Like, I'm just watching this. I'm just like, of course, this is a Tommy movie. I've seen it five times. Yeah. yeah of yeah, course you have. Yeah. Of, of course you have, Tommy. Oh, uh, yeah. But before we get into Valley Girl, girls, girls, girl, girl, whatever. Girl. <laughs> what? Move, what movies have you watched this week? What, what's what been on the docket, Cowboy? All right. So uh, I guess I'll talk about a more recent release I've seen. Uh, I watched the Mario movie. Um, I decided to go watch it with my buddy. And uh, I was asking a bunch of kids on an opening night. And I actually kind of really liked the Mario movie. It was really fun. Um, it was exactly what I kind of expected. Just like a light little kids movie. The plot was kind of like whatever. Very basic plot. But I thought it was like really humorous. Jack Black especially gave a great performance as Bowser. He's very comedic and like he belts out some songs. That was really fun. I mean, this is a movie that I would have loved to see when I was like seven years old. And I think that it was overall, like it wasn't amazing or anything like that, but it was a decent kids movie. And I think they did a good job. And, you know, the visuals especially were great, especially like the whole, there's one sequence on Rainbow Road where they do Mario Kart essentially. It's like, like Mad Max, but Mario Kart uh, version. <laughs> so uh, it was an inventive movie and better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. And it, it looks like fun. It looks like, oh, wow. I, 
like for me it's more of like because i remember seeing sonic the hedgehog one by myself in the theater full of children and i was just like i can't do this again ever that's why i had a friend go with me (laughs) yeah it's sometimes it's harder to get people to go to that you you know there's a circle of trust of do you want to go see this the super mario bros movie dude you know (laughs) there there's a limited circle uh that you can you can't just fire that movie request out to anybody yeah, it looks like fun. Like, I, it's one of those like, oh, like, I bet if I had a kid and I took a kid to go see it and like I watched them like love the hell out of the movie, I would enjoy it more than like me just going being like, okay, yeah, like, like, it's cute. It's, it's not, it's not the worst. It's not, it's better than the one from the 90s. Like, give yeah, it that. yeah, that's you not saying much. <laughs> like, I had a fun time for 90 minutes. Uh, that's kind of what it looks like. It looks like it's just, it, it, and it's illumination, which like their movies are usually very catered to to kids yeah i mean most of all most of our movies are kind of mediocre i mean i didn't like the spick on me and all that stuff i mean then we're not the audience for most of these movies that they make <laughs> yeah yeah no we're we're not the audience for it which is fine i and like i and my i remember when they announced it and they announced the uh what's his name chris pratt announcement and then they're <laughs> you know a bunch of nerds being like oh dare they it's like they're making this movie for five-year-olds. You guys, you people are nearly 30 complaining about this on the internet. Like, yeah. go touch some grass. Go. It's so funny, the walk. complaints. You see go complaints on Twitter. Try, try rock climbing. You know, yeah. try anything else if this is what has come down to your life. A movie catered for five-year-olds. You're <laughs> complaining about the voice actor. It's like, well, why didn't they just bring the original voice actor? Could you imagine the, the, the actual Mario game voice? Like, the, it's me mario but like, it would be so grating it would, be it, you, it your brain your brain would hurt after five minutes there's a reason he barely talks in the game it, he just makes yeah. noises because that voice would be get redundant after 10 minutes of a movie where he's your main character yeah mm-hmm. it looks like fun i probably won't see it in theaters maybe uh you know guilty pleasure sunday afternoon uh hbo max on, on the couch kind of a movie Kind of that feels like the legacy me. of this. And Chris Pratt was okay. I mean, like, I know people gave so much shit about it, but he was fine. Whoever. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'm sure, you know, I think they, I saw something where it was like, oh, like we wanted Chris Pratt because it's going to give that like blue collar vibe. And I'm like, I kind of agree with that, actually. Like, I feel like he would give that element. Like you have, like, I, I don't ex- understand why people would want a one-to-one video game adaptation. Like there's no story in Mario whatsoever. It's literally yeah. Bowser kidnaps Peach. That's the... Like it's about gameplay, so it's about yeah. somehow transcribing that together. And from what the clips I've seen of it, it looks like it's done a good job of like showcasing the levels, like the implementing Mario Kart into it. Uh, I heard Seth Rogen not great as Donkey Kong. Well, Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. I mean, he even said in interviews where he said straight up, "I don't do voices. If you want Donkey Kong to sound like Seth Rogen, then I'm your guy. But if you want me to do a voice, then I'm not your guy." I mean, he was fun in the movie, but it was really just like Seth Rogen. <laughs> And like you hear the Seth Rogen laugh as Donkey Kong, which like I thought he was funny in the movie. I mean, like I don't know, uh, but it was definitely not an inspired performance by Seth Rogen. I mean, his voice ro- roles are really just like oh, just using the laugh for fucking kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I didn't go see Mario movie. Um, maybe I'll wa- I'll probably watch it at some day, uh, but you know, it, for me, it's like. Uh, I, I got I'm not so many seven years hours. old. <laughs> I got so many hours in the day. Yeah, and it, it's just like, and it's a movie. Like I kind of just know what what it's going to be, and it's. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. that's cute. It sounds like it's cute. I'm glad kids are enjoying it. I made three hundred eighty six million dollars opening it's weekend. Insane. Talk about a 
grand slam home run like man people people love the mario people love their mario uh a movie i saw i rewatched recently the wolf of wall street good movie solid movie <laughs> uh, great movie yeah, i love that movie so much it is just like it's long but it's nice on video that you can pause it somewhere around mm. the halfway mark and go through it but I, I what i love about like scorsese and especially that movie and like i think a lot of people took away the wrong message of that movie being like, well, Scorsese's like promoting this whole life and this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, no, no, no. Scorsese is showing that's what these people are like. And then at the end, he's showing that even though people know that this guy is a cheater, a liar, a scammer, or this, that, and the other thing, people are still listening to him to try to make money. Like people ultimately don't care. Like that's the sole purpose of that. Like that, that was the message I took away from that movie like the whole sell me this pen thing at the end. Yeah. Um, but just probably it, pro- probably my favorite Leo performance, honestly. It, it's definitely a captivating. And it's a movie that like for um, has definitely over the years, like gotten muddled with the messaging, like, like you were saying. I mean, like I've known so many like finance bros that like love this movie, like unironically and don't understand like the satire of it all. Um, and, you know, even people like, on fucking Twitter will say that too. But I mean, it's a hell of a rewatchable movie, and it's a movie that, like, even though it's well, like three hours, it doesn't feel like that. You no, want to rewatch it? Doesn't. It, it runs. It runs through uh, its mm-hmm. runtime because it's it's just it's a movie that, but it's you know, took the drugs and added it to the screenplay yeah. and and gave it that pace. But man, Scorsese's a master. I love that we talked about the Mario Bros. movie and and uh, the <laughs> Wall, Wall Street. Street in the same segment. But that's yeah. what I had. That's what I had loaded, ready to go. Um, yeah. Did I tell you my uh, Wolf of Wall Street story when I saw that movie in theaters? It was in the middle of a snowstorm, and then we had to push our friend Will's car up a fucking hill uh, just to get the car going because it was a fucking like a uh, little, little um, like Kia, like small car. And we thought we we're going to die. And, like, we literally just like fucking went to go see Wolf of Wall Street. And this is the last movie we we're going to see during this fucking snowstorm. God damn it. <laughs> Great story. Thanks for sharing, Tommy. Okay. Yeah. This is Valley Girl. Valley Girl stars cult hero Nicolas Cage as Randy, a street kid from Hollywood who falls in love with Julie, a rich kid from the valley. Hello. Who invited you? Oh, wow, you mean you have to be invited? Well, that explains it. What? Well, everyone is dressed for it. See, if I had been invited, I wouldn't have known this was a costume party. Julie wouldn't be seen dead with a boy like Randy. So her friends can't understand why she sees him quite a lot. Like, don't you think they have parties over there? Oh, where? At the zoo? This geek that she's with could scar her for life. Valley Girl, a great movie with a great soundtrack, not to be missed. That was the shortest trailer I could find for Valley Girl on YouTube. So <laughs> it was, was it the UK trailer? Was there a British guy talking about Valley no, Girl? I have no idea. It was the shortest <laughs> thing I could find, man. I, I didn't even listen to it. I was rocking and we had to record early because somebody yeah. has plans tonight, unlike some of us over here, but whatever. And I totally tubular, (laughs) totally tubular, dude. And yeah, Tommy's like, Oh, we got to record, we got to record, we got to record. I'm like, Okay, man, okay, cool, cool, dude. Yeah, we'll do it. And then I'm just like pulling the clips, like at the end of work, 
And that was the shortest one. And I was just like, fingers crossed. Let's hope it's not like just like bah, bah, like the beeps the whole time or something like yeah. that. So <laughs> that's the Valley Girl trailer. That's the story of that. So Tommy, for you, what what makes this movie resonate with you so much? Like he said, this is one of your favorites. Fourth, fifth, sixth time seeing it. Yeah, um, this is a movie I discovered in high school because uh, Kevin Smith talked about it on his podcast about how she loved it. And of course, me being the Kevin Smith that I was back then, had to go seek this out. But I mean, I think that's the message in this movie is just, it's a really fun movie. The soundtrack is just amazing. I love the 80s soundtrack right here. Last time I watched this movie was in August. And once I rewatched this movie, the soundtrack really hit me in a way where like, I made a playlist on Apple Music that's specifically songs from Valley Girl. I still jam out to to this day, where it's just like all my 80s classics. But I mean, like, you know, there's really tender moments in this movie. I mean, Nick Cage is really great. But what, I mean, like a lot of what hit me on this rewatch was the relationship between um, the main character uh, played by Deborah Foreman, um, Julie and her dad, like talking about like, who should I pick? Should I pick Randy or Tommy and stuff like that? And how the dad's talking about how, like, you know, there's going to be telling people that like who you should be with and what you should do and things like that. But at the end of the day, who do you want? Like, and she's like, well, dad, well, who should I pick? Like Randy or Tommy? And it's like, well, why don't you tell me? And it's like kind of one of those things where like in high school, you know, we've all gone through those phases where you try to fit in and like, you know, conform and stuff like that. And this movie's about like, fuck that, be who you want to be and be your authentic self. And I think that's what kind of resonates with me in this movie. Yeah, this movie, like weirdly, it goes into the politics of high school relationships yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like in a very like cruel but yet real way of like Julie's friends, um, you know, during her uh, relationship with Randy uh, as it's forming, are kind of like we don't see her anymore. Like you were with Tommy, you guys were supposed to be prom king and prom queen. Like, and then they sit down, being like, "Hey, like it's either him or us. Like you can either be with Randy or you can, or you will no longer be our friend anymore." And it's yeah. like, holy caddy, my God, like that it, is some, that's some bitchy behavior right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, talk about like the worst uh, friends in the world where like, they're not supportive. I mean, like this movie ends with Nick Cage, uh, Randy and Julie, like end up like going away in a fucking uh, graduate like shot of them in a limo together. And you can just imagine at the end of the movie that her friends are just like, fuck that. We're never talking to her again. Like fuck Randy and all this. <laughs> it's not quite the graduate, like the whole, like you've seen the graduate, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like the ending of The Graduate is like them running away at the altar and then sitting there and going like, oh, like, is this a good decision? Where this one was like, she takes his Tommy's bracelet off and throws it through the window like, yes, I did it. Yeah. Yes, I'm with the guy I want to be with. That that happened. That's not The Graduate. Those are two different. Oh, yeah. But uh, it's definitely inspired by in terms of the shot. Oh, yeah. The the shot selection for sure. Yeah. Um, and there's definitely some references to the graduate throughout this movie, especially with the random subplot that has nothing to do with the rest of the movie of the fucking stepmom trying to seduce this random guy who's like barely in the movie. Um, where oh, she, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I love that. It was, yeah. it was, it was so, but it felt like so apt of like, like it fit in that, in the little world of Valley Girl, right? Like a, mm-hmm. a stepmom, a stay at home stepmom that's bored and sees a, young boy that she can you know you get it on with and and she even references the graduate when she's trying to seduce this guy where she's like plastics come on plastics fred or whatever or whatever the guy's name was and like the guy just included just goes over his head where he doesn't even think of like what's happening whatsoever uh, i just i just love the movie has a commitment where it's just like we're gonna spend like 20 minutes on the subplot that's like 
these characters are barely a part of this movie, but like whatever. <laughs> We're gonna have this. We have here. we have to get to 90 minutes. So yeah. <laughs> we um, have this story, it's about 110 pages. We need to add 20 pages into this. What could we where could we beef this up? Yeah, this movie apparently was originally conceived as like a teen exploitation movie uh to capitalize on the Valley Girl fad. And like uh Frank Zappa had a song called Valley Girl, so that's where the title of this movie came. And um the director of this movie, Martha Coolidge, was told like hey, you need to have like four or five like uh, fucking boob shots in this movie in order to get this movie made. And that's where the movie came from. She like snuck in like boob shots very briefly, like uh, like split seconds at some points. And then when the producers saw this movie, they're like, wait, you made us an actual movie. Holy shit, this is better than what we thought we were going to get. <laughs> yeah, and like, because like it, it definitely could have been way more exploitive of like the nudity. It, mm. it felt just more of like this is what these characters are doing right now in terms of like the nudity versus you know it's not like, like porkies or american Pie yeah where it's that. just like it's like here's boobs for three straight minutes it's like all right cool like that was fun when i was 13 but you know yeah. like <laughs> and uh, listen i'm not complaining if they're in the movie it's more of like is it actually done tastefully are they like exploiting the the actress that's in the scene or is it just like this is what these characters are doing and it just happens to be in the the camera shot you know there's no like close up like boing wow like shot yeah, yeah. Of, of 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 boobies in this movie yeah this is not, not a boob movie <laughs> no it, it's a low-key boob movie but it's not like a it's not a uh it's not exploitive like porky's is in nature but for for me on a on my first watch and to be honest i had to I was occupied with with working while I had this on too. So there's a lot of pausing, a lot of stopping and not, I didn't have my full attention viewers. I'm going to, you know, we'd like to be honest here on this podcast. I did not give my full attention to this movie. But for me, it felt, you know, it's very much a uh, Romeo, not Romeo and Juliet, but like in terms of slightly, like, oh, slightly like, oh, they yeah. can't be together. Society says they can't be together. The, you know, the families can't be together. But what do they ultimately want? to be there is they want to be together all i have to say though is that when she ends it with him and gets back together with tommy and then there's that montage of nick cage just like stalking her <laughs> i was like that's the worst advice i've i've ever seen and the worst practice of like how do i get a girl back like i'm going to be the movie ticket taker i'm going to be the restaurant the guy at the drive through restaurant that brings the order out like he was just ever like just stalking this girl. It's just like, oh, like, dude, like that's, that's creepy. creepy what, 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 what I like what I like about that though is that like the advice comes from his friend uh friend, his like best friend, uh, they tags along with him, uh, this guy Fred. And Fred throughout the movie is shown to be this kind of just like fucking bozo, where like, you know, all the girls he tries to hit on are like just like get lost creep and stuff like that. So he takes this advice of his friend, this essentially like stalk the fuck out of this girl that just broke up with you. And you know, in some rom-coms that, that would work or something like that for some reason, like weird, creepy reason. Like, you know, uh, John Cusack holding the jukebox or something like that. In real life, you'd be fucking a creep if you did that. Um, but in this movie, when that happens, Nick Cage is just bombing constantly. And uh, Julie is just like, what are you doing, dude? What are you doing, you fucking creep? And it's not until, like, he doesn't take his friend's advice that he gets her back. <laughs> yeah, but I, I I feel like still it just didn't. It just, he just, They just got into a fight at the end. And then, like, he just took her with her. And then they were together. You know, yeah, it could it could have been an adrenaline thing. Um, so yeah, it just it didn't feel like it felt like they had this really great concept and then didn't really have a good way to end it mm. at all. 
Mm. Like in terms of like girls in love with a guy, but you know, everybody in her life is kind of telling her, no, don't, you know, you, you can't be with this guy. He's weird. He's this, he's that, he's the other thing. And, and then, but like they have to end together because it's a cute 90 minute rom-com. So how do we get them together? Mm. And they just kind of put them together at the end. And it just, it, <laughs> it didn't feel earned at the end for me, honestly. Like it, it's a fun movie. Yeah. Don't well, uh, wrong. What, what would you say? We have to ask this on every rom-com we cover. Uh, do you think this couple lasts? <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I think this is like a teen like fling kind of thing where like they're, after they're, 17, they're what 17, 18? Yeah, not a zero, zero zero chance. I mean, even if like you take away the fact that it's just like they're so different that it's probably gonna come up again where she's like, Yeah, I don't know if we want to date Randy. Like the excitement's over. Like after a while, she's like, Yeah, hey, you're kind of just like a bozo, dude. You're getting drunk at this random nightclub all the time. First of all, is Nick Cage like I, they say that they, they go to a high school in this movie, but I kind of thought Nick Cage and his friend were like early 20s in this movie. <laughs> Um, I think for legal reasons, they have to be in high school. Yeah. Yeah. In, in terms of the plot of the movie, they're in high school, but like they didn't read like that at all. Cause like you, you see Julie and her friends in high school all the time, but you never see like Randy's high school, which we could have gotten a well, quick shot of well, like. Well, I think that was an interesting perspective where like this movie doesn't focus all that much on Randy until the, the end. Like this movie is not told from his POV whatsoever, pretty much whatsoever. Yeah. Like he is the secondary, which I think is a nice flip on the head of. A lot of these rom-coms where it's you know you know we always talk about the underwritten love interest like it's not that he's he is a little underwritten honestly mm. like we yeah, don't really so, know that much about of you know about him like other than he's like the exciting punk guy but mm. it, it's, a, it's it does flip that on its head where the the perspective is from is from julie's fully throughout yeah, I mean, they definitely like give a lot of like uh, notes to Julie and like her build on her family life, but her friend life, and like the, definitely the movie, the majority of it's through her POV. But um, Nick Cage, I mean, this was his first starring role, um, and this is, I think, his first movie actually as Nick Cage because um, he went by Nicholas Coppola before, but he wanted to get away from the whole Francis Ford Coppola relation. So um, I think he was great in this movie. I mean, what, what was your first impression of Nick Cage and Valley Girl? Oh, he was, he was a ton of fun. Uh, it's weird to see Nick Cage play um, a high schooler again. I mean, he did Fast Times, but... That was brief. In that, that was movie. brief. Um, but it's, you know, like, we're just so used to him being, like, older guy. Like, seeing him this young, it's a little startling. But I, you know, I think the crux of it comes down to is, like, what, what kind of chemistry do the actors have together? Mm-hmm. And Nicolas Cage and Deborah Foreman, they, they have pretty solid chemistry here and i think this is a nice scene of of him visiting her at work where they show it off a little bit uh, what are you doing here i wanted to see you but why here what's wrong with this place this place is so gross i mean all this stuff that tastes like nothing it's supposed to be so this. good for you what about your throat for what I'm coming home so late no Wow, did your parents find out? Yeah, they were waiting up. Don't they care? For sure they care, but I'm supposed to develop into my own person, you know? <laughs> oh, well, that sounds good. How about a Coke? Uh, sorry, my dad said they supported the war effort and it rocks the enzymes in your stomach. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds good to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, let's get out of here. Don't you have to work? Of 
Got flexible hours. Ooh. See you, Dad. Bye-bye, sweetie. That must be nice having hippie parents where you can just leave your job at the at the drop of a hat where it's just like, oh, I'm going out with this guy. Bye. Yeah, I, I love her parents in the movie. How like after like they uh, like take and she goes away to prom, her parents are like, want to go smoke some weed? Like, give me some of that stuff. I huh, man. <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's you to a T, Tommy, there. Um, future parent, Tommy. Uh, Deborah Foreman. I mean, like, I think she's really good in this movie and she's really fun. It's kind of like sad that she didn't have more of a uh, like big career or anything like that and the only other movie i've seen her in was like uh april fool's day which was some random like crappy slasher that i wouldn't even recommend us ever watching and like she was a real genius but like very low down the casting list and like this was pretty much her main movie that people are gonna remember by it and like i could have seen her in romantic comedies for years i think she was really fun in this movie and she had the look too of like a good you know like a prototype of meg ryan right like just that kind of like innocence of an it girl Mm-hmm. That, that a lot of these movies use in terms of like the look of the girl um mm-hmm. and she just has that like sweet charming like you can kind of get why any guy would like fall for her mm-hmm. um and it's just that like it's that initial attraction right like it, i think mm-hmm. a lot of times in these movies and it's just hard to when you look at it from a screenplay perspective of going okay like there's this there's a spark and I, they show the spark with the you know with the look at the beginning and they start talking at that party at the beginning he gets mm. kicked out and then he waits in the bathroom for like a half an hour for her to Nick Cage is such in. a creep in this movie. He's such <laughs> a creepo weirdo. Like I I'm on her friend's side of being like, dude, don't go out with this guy. Like he stalked you in a bathroom. Yeah. Oh god. I mean, like, uh, I forget. Um, I just love like the music cue though when he's in the shower of uh men at work and it's who can it be now? And there's a gif of like Nick Cage just peeking out of the shower that every time I see that gif just makes me fucking die laughing. <laughs> It's yeah. great visual comedy. <laughs> it, yeah, and and that's a, the thing with this. I think the the movie has a lot of charm. It has a lot of like con- connection to it, and it has a very good like messaging of like picking what you want versus like what every what society expects of you, and does it in like it's fun in a fun way and in its own way. Like, there's no like really overbearing plot. There's no like. Like build up at in the first five minutes. It's the big prom at the you know like I'm thinking like Back to the Future where it's like uh, the, mm-hmm. the enchantment under the sea dance or whatever it's called and it mm-hmm. all leads up to that. It's just like here's a natural flow of events which I really like. I like that naturalistic mm-hmm. kind of like timeline and to things. It really is like a hangout movie, especially like uh, the first date of like Nick Cage and Deborah Foreman were like. Um, Pretty much it's just the music montage of them going out in LA and be like, here's some cool spots in LA you can see right there. And it's just like this one cool song playing the whole time. Um, they don't really go deep into it, but I mean, like, I, this is why one of my favorite movies because the soundtrack just aids to it so much. Yeah. This, so, Tommy, what's your favorite song in the soundtrack? Um, that is quite a fucking question. I mean, like, right now, I, I love Josie Cotton. She's the artist who plays at the uh, prom at the end of, the, uh, of this movie and like she has a song called school is in and she has one song that like has not aged what's uh good whatsoever that one song johnny are you queer boy where like, you see the backup dancers in the song pretty much just like doing like a little like uh hand thing during johnny are you queer it's like what the fuck is how is this okay in the 80s <laughs> yeah i who who knows how it's cool that they're able to get away with this. I love there's just the play of Electric Avenue. I love that song when he's just yeah, in the bathroom. And you just hear, you got to rock down to. I I think the best song in this uh whole movie. I mean, like, and this is what I think made the song famous was uh I met with you, um you know the modern English song. 
especially mm-hmm. towards the end of the movie, like right when it kicks in, right when they get in the limo. And when that cue kicks in, it gives me goosebumps every time I watch this. So, I mean, there's just so many good like 80s new wave in this. that it's, it's a really fun soundtrack to listen to. Yeah, it's it's definitely that new wave, but and like right when it was fresh too. So like, imagine mm-hmm. listening to like seeing this movie in 1983, and the the music just is probably like, this is what I like. This is what I like. This isn't what's yeah. on, you know, you know, right at the time where now it's just like, oh, this is the music from that all these movies that come out nowadays when they're in the 80s. These are all the songs that they use. Yeah, uh, they did a remake of this movie, which I haven't seen. I, I don't. Into- I I did that. I saw that in my research. It does yeah. not look good. Yeah, I have no intention to watch it. I mean, they made it into a jukebox, uh, jukebox musical, which I don't think is the worst idea. But in terms of execution, it seemed like really bad. And the cast was like Logan Paul plays the asshole boyfriend this time, and some a random box musical. Yeah, you um, know what that means. <laughs> yeah, it's like the it's like a sing along. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So instead of making it like a normal, uh, just like a straight up remake, they just make it like so, like, oh, we're going to do like some 80s songs right here and stuff like that. And we're all going to sing them out loud, which could be very cringe very easily. Yeah. And so, and then apparently they wanted that to come out in like 2018. It got delayed or whatever. And then it was set for of May, Logan 8th, Paul. <laughs> May 8th, 20. Oh, is that it? Because he had that whole thing with uh, the guys in Japan, like the suicide forest thing. Yeah, I'm looking at the page right now. It says the film was delayed following controversies surrounding Logan Paul. <laughs> so Man, that guy sucks. But yeah, I... and then they released a jukebox sing along straight to video on demand during COVID. And it definitely got buried during COVID because like no one ever fucking heard of it. I mean, um, so it's just like eh, I don't know. <laughs> we didn't well, remake for Valley Girl. <laughs> no, we we don't. I, I, I'm sick of this. We we don't need remakes for these movies. They can just exist as it's. The only time I ever like a remake or like I think is when they do something different with the property or like they do. Um, yeah, I and I guess jukebox singalongs different. It's yeah, it's a different vibe, but I mean, like, still, it's just like I don't know. You don't need to pluck this out of obscurity. I mean, like, a remake should be only for movies that like were kind of shitty at first, and like you know they didn't execute their premise fully. Let's just do another take on this premise. That's yeah, what it should. And I feel like Valley Girl, like, executed its premise perfectly and at the right time during the mm-hmm. Valley Girl like craze, like that i that idea in the early '80s. So I feel like making a making a new version of it just feels like lazy like okay like let's just we have this sitting here uh there's a bunch of 50 year old dudes that that (laughs) let's uh let's cater a movie to them we're gonna put logan paul in it yeah yeah exactly i mean like uh you know 50 year old dudes like kevin smith loves this movie uh quentin tarantino apparently loves this movie too so (laughs) just catering to that crowd right there i am a star i'm a star i'm a star i'm a star I am a big, bright, shining star. Tommy, who is the star of Valley Girl? I mean, there's only two options, obviously, like Nick Cage or Deborah Foreman. Um, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna have to go with uh, Nick Cage here. I think that like there's a reason why he became such a star right after this movie came out. Um, he's very fun in this movie, and like even when he's during the breakup scene between the two of them, he just gives a great dramatic performances, and his character is very captivating. Like he's very infectious. Where like you want to go on that ride to Los Angeles with him in this movie. So um I think that if he wasn't great or he was just like lame or whatever like that, this movie wouldn't work. So um yeah, yeah. You, you just see the charisma of Nick Cage like in full 
force and full throttle in this movie. It's um, mm-hmm. it's like super apparent, and it it just makes you understand why he became one of the biggest movie stars of all time. Yeah, um, I, it's you know I think Deborah Foreman does a has a great performance, excellent performance, but it it's just overshadowed by a fig by just like a movie icon and like yeah without him because like the movie falls on deborah's shoulders but it's one of those times where it's like yeah the guy with the less screen appearance probably was this the breakout star of this and i think mm-hmm. history has proven that as well based on their acting careers yeah exactly i mean like and this is a very like nuanced performance i guess from nick cage is not as big as like he's been known to be uh and everything mm-hmm. that he definitely dials it back a little bit more than this yeah. um it's a so, more dialed in performance but the charisma still like leaks through it's yeah uh, it's not like he's not like campy or anything it's just like it's him in seduction mode pretty much the entire time yeah exactly like those are the two instances in the cage yeah uh, pretty much throughout the movie um i mean i do want to get shot some of the supporting performances because i think there's a lot of good supporting cast tommy is the asshole boyfriend uh michael bowen who is in breaking bad apparently and um elizabeth daly who plays tommy pickles in rugrats as one of the best friends uh both of them are really good in this movie and i think that really adds to the world this where like the characters within like the preppy jock boyfriend assholes are just really fun too <laughs> ah are you ready comedy partner waka waka tommy would valley girl work as a muppet adaptation I think that what you'd have to do is make this movie. Every single uh, female character is just Janice from the Muppets. <laughs> and that's it. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, Nick Cage stays the same, but everyone else is just a bunch of Janices. <laughs> I kind of like it. I kind of like it. Piggy's the Piggy's Julie, and then everybody else is the same. Yeah. I mean, it would just be like, do you want to hang out with the Muppets for 90 minutes? Like, there's not enough here to be able to, if we were going to pitch to Disney. Like I wouldn't, Valley Girl wouldn't be the number one. But if you know, they, if it became a, you know, if we had our Muppet Cinematic Universe up and running, um, hmm. you know, this would be one of those. Uh, what's a cheap one that we could put straight on Disney Plus? You know, the the Muppets uh, adaptation of this would be the jukebox musical of this, where it yeah, would have to be. What it would have to be one hundred percent. All right, Tommy, review time. Give me your scores out of five. Uh, I fucking love this movie. I think this is very fun, infectious energy. Uh, energy. Nick Cage is really fun. Um, Deborah Foreman gives a great performance, and her relationship with her parents and the things she talks about are just really resonate with me. Um, I'm gonna go four point five out of five. I love the soundtrack here. I uh, this is a movie I'll rewatch for uh, forever. I mean, this is my fifth time rewatching this. I'm sure it's not gonna be my last, and I'm gonna rewatch this a ton and ton again. So four point five out of five. Yeah, so for me, I think Valley Girl, I'm going to give it, I want to say a three out of five. And it's, I don't, I think for me, I didn't watch it under ideal viewing circumstances. So I have a, a busy look at it. I didn't get it in a coherent screening. Um, It's really fun. Like I had a lot of fun with it. I think at the end, it just ultimately fell into the tropes of like, well, she's going to go with him because she's going to go with him. Mm. Um, But you know, the soundtrack's incredible. The the focus on on Julie is great. Her parents, great. Like the relationships she she has in her life, like we really dive into those. There's that random subplot with the mom, which is just fun yeah. to watch. Um, so I you know I I give this a three out of five. I, I definitely owe it a reviewing when I am, can just focus directly on it. But I it's not to say to not watch it. Like I do want to watch this movie again. It's just where I where I feel right now, and I'm basing. You know, as her parents say, you know, you got to do what you're feeling. 
So that's what I'm doing. I'm following her parents' advice. Yeah. <laughs> Three to five. All right, Tommy, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? Um, Nick Cage is awesome, and I've got to listen to the soundtrack tonight. But anyways, uh, thank you guys for listening to uh, this uh, podcast. You can follow us on social media at Pod. That's on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And leave us a five-star review. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us out. And uh, get ready, because uh, we are going back into the world of Godfather next week. Godfather Part 2. We said we we're going to do it last year, and here it is. I'm finally going to watch Godfather 2. Get ready. <laughs> you have to watch Godfather 1 as a preface just to get yourself caught up again, Tommy. Oh, God. It just make me do like fucking six hours of movies this weekend. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. You've been a difficult man to get in contact with. That's right. I'm punishing you. <laughs> so get ready for, uh, you know, Italian mob uh, epic 2, part 2. <laughs> Thank you guys all so much for listening. We'll see you next week.